Hello and welcome back to the Motorsport Bethag podcast. I'm your host DD and joining me today once again is my friend and your co-host Vedant. On this episode we'll be talking about Formula E season opener. So, let's grab some chai, take our seats, ready our opinions and dive right into the conversation. Hello Vedant. First race of the season, first, you know, like circuit racing race of the season yep, for yep, us. Yep. And there's there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot of storylines, there's a lot to talk about. But obviously the biggest question here is did the Formula E season 9 opener at Mexico City deliver? what are your thoughts yeah i would say yes it i mean the the racing was incredible uh, at the front right we didn't get to see much in the middle but overall the there was low attrition there was like teams were still struggling but it was good enough for a good season opener and i think you just pointed out the biggest biggest win for formula e as an organization and all the teams yep. uh, in the season opener because going into the season opener the biggest question was are we going to be able to avoid big wrecks big accidents which you know might injure the drivers because those who have been f- following formula e for a even for a month now will know that the emergency brake system that formula e is trying to introduce for the gen 3 cars is not here yet it might not not even be there for the saudi circuit so the biggest question mark the biggest issue was to avoid any big failures mechanical brake whatever and to avoid any big shunts which formula e has done beautifully it's a big big win for formula e there and i think they'll be more than happy to take that and walk away even if you know they hadn't had a great season opener as long as they avoided yeah. any big shunts yeah exactly you know which they have done and so i'm pretty sure they're happy obviously you know saudi is a different beast it's a high speed street circuit where the probability of damage is high uh, because you know the average speeds will be higher and things like that yeah. so teams will still be hoping to you know get the emergency brake system in before saudi but that's a different issue altogether let's talk about what happened today even even mexico is supposedly a high speed circuit right there are there are long straights and formula e added a chicane before turn 12 to mitigate that risk yeah but yeah saudi is different but see we did like robin frines did get injured but it was a different circ- the circumstances were different he did break his wrist but it was not due to some a uh, mechanical failure or some greater issue as such and yeah we we just wish him the fastest recovery and hope he's back in the year absolutely absolutely go on give me give us your thoughts on uh, how the race panned out what were the storylines you were looking at and what are your biggest takeaways from the race and i'm <laughs> i'm sure there's a, and i i can understand a few things because you know we, we i know what you might have been looking forward to but anyway yeah 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 but uh, i mean Firstly I think the the Porsche power train has been the biggest surprise I would say because I mean Porsche were good till last season but they weren't leading or they, they weren't doing anything great they were in the midfield in the upper midfield let's say but I think the pace that Jake Dennis showed and the pace that Pascal Verlaine showed top 2 they were ahead by miles like Jake Dennis had a lead of what Seven seconds ahead of J. <clears throat> Sorry, I think it was like four or five seconds before the safety car came out, and then again, yeah, exactly, five to six seconds. Yeah, and that was ahead of Pascal Verlaine, and Pascal Verlaine came from sixth to second and had a lead of whatever four five seconds ahead of uh, Degrassi, right? So the Porsche powertrain seems to be performing good, and you would expect Jake Dennis and Pascal Verlaine to be the team leaders in their respective teams. so it it boards perfectly well for them all right 
I mean, that, that is a great point. You know, the way Porsche has started the season, it's absolutely immaculate. But there is a caveat to that particular, let's say, analysis that you have just done. Yep. And that is Porsche have always, always, always been very strong at, at Mexico City. Very strong. So even during the post-race interview, Pascal Verlaine pointed out that, you know, even last year, and I think so did Lucas Degrassi that last year, you know, Porsche did yeah. like a one-two and ran away with it. So, yes, uh, Porsche, they might not have looked so strong in practice and back in Valencia, but definitely they've started the season strong. They seem to have the fastest and the most efficient powertrain on the grid. Yeah. By far, at least based on the little data that we have, based on today's race and qualifying so far, everything is getting lined up. And I think, uh, but another caveat to add to that, you know, if you remember last year, even though Porsche, I think that Porsche factory team basically had a better year than the Avalanche and Dretti team. However, if you cast your mind back to the very start of the season eight, uh, Avalanche and Dretti had a better start to the season compared to Porsche. So that is another thing to look out for because... But uh, I don't think Avalanche and Dretti was using Porsche in season eight, were they? But it's also a team thing, right? Like, it's also the way they're going about operating. It's, it's not about, you know them using the same powertrain it's it's about them as a yeah, team and how they're operating because they started off really well and then they fell off you know we didn't see jake dennis anywhere until uh, basically this race this season after the first couple of races where it was looking like he could contend for the championship with the avalanche and ready team so there's there's, there's a couple caveats that's all that's all i'm saying there's a couple caveats in there to the analysis and to the performance that porsche have had today but nonetheless, it's a great, great start to the season for them. Hey, see, the caveats are all welcome. It's only one race in. It's, it's. I mean, nobody knows if Porsche or like Jake Dennis might finish last in the next two races and it would still be a normal course of events in <laughs> Formula E terms, right? Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's, it's just the beginning. But what we see from Porsche, what we see from Andretti and Jake Dennis especially is positive. So yeah, excited for the season in that way. You know. All right, what's next? Uh, I think I had Jake Hughes, who had a wonderful drive as a rookie. It was his first race in Formula E. So like he 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 put uh, Degrassi under pressure, but it was the drive of a lifetime sort of thing for we'll, Lucas. We'll, Degrassi, we'll come right? to Degrassi in a bit. Let, let's cover Jake yeah, Hughes yeah, first. Yeah. Let's cover Jake. <laughs> I mean, Degrassi yeah. stole the show. Uh, there were more cameras on him than on Jake Dennis throughout the race. So absolutely, let's not. Absolutely. Let's, we'll we'll come back to him in a bit. But Jake Hughes, yeah, brilliant in qualifying. He qualified P three, and yeah, a very good race for a rookie. Just managing his his energy management was better than the people around him, and yeah, like a very a very mature driver. I mean, it was, I would put it, it, you know, for for a first race, a very mature, a very calculated driver. Yeah, exactly. He didn't get. Uh, you know, upset that he couldn't make the moves on Lucas Degrassi. He didn't get upset that he was coming under pressure from the likes of Andre Lotterer and Sebastian Buemi. And he drove a very, yeah. very, very calculated race. He did get a little dinged about uh, by Andre Lotterer, but that is to be expected if you're racing Andre Lotterer in any series anywhere. He is a physical man. He will uh, not, you know, stop from bashing you about and bashing your car about just to make up a place. So I think Jake Hughes in that aspect has a lot to learn as to what does taking out your elbows really means in Formula E, even if it's a fragile car. Absolutely. Talking about Andre Lotter, you know, you said Andre Lotter will push you around. Like, he's the most experienced driver in motors in Formula E right now. 
as a experience of motorsport basically and that shows because the way andre lotter lined up that move in the last lap was just brilliant in into turn 1 he went right outside the track limits like he he lined up perfectly straight sort of line racing line into into turn 1 and out of turn 2 because he was outside the white lines when breaking into turn 1 right so it was a it was a very good move when you look at it and that lined him up for a move into turn 2 i guess or 2 or 3 whatever it was so it was it, it it was a great move and it just shows what experience brings in a way but yeah andre lotter like again you know porsche performing no sorry he's yeah he's he's in porsche yeah 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 our yeah. train yeah yeah sorry my bad but but it bodes well for jqs you know uh, very mature drive yes you know a lot of times you heard fox shot urgent uh, message that <laughs> jake hughes was not able to execute during the race but uh, you know given that he's against up against rene rast who has a lot of experience in formula e and has come back now but he only has one season of experience rene rast in formula e i guess yeah. i guess so he, he has some previous yeah. experience compared to yeah. no experience of jake yeah. hughes but uh, <laughs> but you know all, all the seasons get get mixed up that have happened before season 8 uh, to say so it's it's all one lump of uh, you know uh racing but anyway so but again renaras was nowhere near jake hughes he didn't challenge him yep. at all in terms of speed time whatever uh so jake hughes you know is clearly the team leader and a young team leader that too uh but talking about jake hughes we also have to mention in the same breath breath sasha fenestras who was also technically making his debut in formula yep, e yep, this yep. is his debut season in formula e and great qualifying great qualifying had a great first half to the race but then it seems the energy management did not pay off for him in that Nissan car and he sort of fell off and finished outside the points but nonetheless he showed great speed and i think that bodes well for him uh and while talking about teams that usually don't do that well but i have moved up the order we have to talk about Dan Tictum yeah absolutely what a i i tuned into qualifying this morning and uh, group b qualifying had just started and i saw dan tictum leading the charts and i'm like well there's still you know four four and a half minutes left or whatever right yeah <laughs> uh, the minutes are ticking down the minutes are ticking dan tictum is still leading and then i think we had uh, jake dennis only just ahead of dan tictum by two two tenths of a second and i'm waiting and the clock is ticking down but no one is able to beat dan tictum during that group qualifying session and i'm like what is happening here uh did not expect neo 333 to be anywhere close to the qualifying duels really but i think a lot of people have said you know uh, that obviously these teams who were languishing at the bottom of the order last year have had more time to develop their powertrains compared to some of the teams that were competing for the championship uh, higher up the order last year yeah that's i mean that's what is coming out of the paddock and i think oliver askew said that in commentary as well so it it may be true it may be true because the cars were released and given to the teams in the middle of the season right so it may be true but i mean brilliant performance from the new 333 team dan dictum and even sergio sette camera like he was he was still decent in qualifying as well uh, i don't know what happened to dan dictum in the race and in the end because uh, he had a drive through penalty uh, for overcharge uh, yeah 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 early yeah. on in the race because yeah, of overcharge yeah I mean we can come to it as flow grows but I have a point of you know the so- software technicalities. I uh, let, let let's just get to it. We'll we'll get to Lucas Grassi <laughs> when we get to Lucas Grassi because there's a lot around him. Yeah. It's fine. We don't we, So we like one of the biggest issues not issues but you know what I saw was 
there were a lot of software issues this weekend and which is fair which is fair because it's a new car again you know new season new everything but uh, Mitch Evans had a software issue in FP2 which led him to crash the car Dan Tictum had some sort of software issue in the race which led to the uh, overpower overpower overcharge yeah whatever yeah and i think there were a few more software issues i can't uh, i didn't write them in my notes but there was still i think the i think the sam bird crash also seemed like a software issue or not the sam bird crash the crash that happened in front of sam bird uh, that was exactly it was robin fines the robin fines crash yeah 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 so that also seemed like a weird uh, issue that car you know it yeah, yeah, just yeah. happened you know? yeah it like in the in the corner in the chicane it just happened yep and sam bird was a mechanical failure but yeah i guess i mean software issues were a point but i guess we'll just you know we'll just like they'll just keep them improving as time goes on but we we've seen the software issues even you know during the past seasons it's not something new to formula e we've seen a lot of people lose uh, races be disqualified because of that uh, overcharge or you know over consumption yep. of energy issue uh because of you know software glitches and what not so i think that is a that is an existing issue uh, within formula e since a long time i think there was a time when we talked about uh rules and regulations around these spikes that may need to be changed instead of having such a harsh penalty almost yeah. you could say uh because these spikes don't really last long enough compared to the like the drive through penalty that dan tictum got today so it's been a lingering issue in formula e but i think the reason the reason you know the regulations give such a harsh penalty so that the teams move towards a better you know solution technologically instead of trying to exploit it any in any other way if the regulations are to be relaxed uh to say so right so uh, that is another thing to keep in mind but uh yeah i mean uh, there's not a lot you can do about it until until the teams you know can get their hands dirty with the tech yeah. for a little bit longer at least yeah uh, i mean i i remember i remember i think it was last season or the season before that it was again new 333 if i remember it correctly but the car sort of had a jump in rome i guess it was and that led to another overcharge and that led to another penalty and it was no one's no one's fault right it wasn't a yeah it was that weird yeah. kink in the road yeah. um, in in rome yeah yeah so I, it I, I it was not the driver's fault and it wasn't the team's fault but it was there and yeah the penalty happened yeah i think i think it's time now i think it's time to talk <laughs> about mahindra racing and lucas degrassi just go for it yeah well uh i mean a great start great start to be fair you know you know winning pole position getting the three points and leading out from the front but i don't know what happened there he lost he like he he made a mistake he made a mistake when he lost out to uh, jake dennis and that was very uncharacteristic uncharacteristic because it was a very weird place to make a mistake but after that he sort of overconsumed and had uh, efficiency issues in the middle but after that was just incredible yeah i think that's probably one of the best defensive races i've seen in a long long time i think jack nichols on the commentary uh, said that he rated this drive from lucas degrassi as lucas degrassi's best yeah. drive yeah. ever in formula e, which is which is something coming from you know the lead commentator of formula e who's been there literally forever since the series for, started for day, from day one yeah, yeah yeah so so that is you know uh, that is some high honor but uh, i mean there might there might be a there might be a recency bias <laughs> but it it was still one of the best <laughs> fair enough fair enough fair enough uh, 
But yeah, definitely, definitely an absolutely, ex- I mean, a thrilling drive, not just for him, but for everyone watching for, that. For anyone, yeah. Especially yeah. for the supporters of Mahindra. Now, obviously, you know, um, I, I'll have to say Lucas Degrassi was probably probably the luckiest man in Mexico City today, <laughs> after <laughs> after being hand after being handed the, handed the pole, uh, thanks to the Avalanche and Dretti drivers, not just driver yeah. drivers, <laughs> making two consecutive mistakes. Uh, you know, he held it together. Jake Hughes could not mount a challenge, and it was thankfully it was Jake Hughes who was between himself and Andre Lauter. Otherwise, I don't think there was anyone or anything in this world that could have stopped uh, Lucas Degrassi and Andre Lauterow from coming together during the race if both of them <laughs> had gone up against each other for that long. It could be said that Jake Hughes was trying to just protect his car and come back in one piece on his debut Yeah. to, you know, just make that point and get just, just have a good debut and you could attack 100% from the next race onwards. Absolutely. But in terms of like, you know, the pace you've seen from Mahindra, uh, it seems like as, as far as the pace is concerned, they might be number two or number three. They, may not, they are obviously not as fast as the Porsche powertrain, but uh, they might be up there with the Jaguars and uh, the Nissan that the McLaren are running. Yeah. However, yeah. however, it is quite clear that Mahindra is still struggling with efficiency issues, which is why you know even the season nine was played with efficiency issues there were so many times we saw alexander sims and oliver roland make their way up the grid really attack during the first half of the race but then fall off because of efficiency issues so clearly that powertrain is still struggling with efficiency and if if they don't work on that there are only so many circuits where lucas degrassi and oliver roland can save them by you know driving such <laughs> such a defensive race uh, against uh, the likes of sebastian buemi andre lauter uh, in the future maybe you know uh, Jev and Da Costa too. So, yep, yep. They won't have a lot of races where they'll be able to, you know, drive defensively and take home such great points at the end of the day, uh, and even a podium finish. So I think that is of concern. Obviously, that new team principal seemed overjoyed with the with the results. Uh, I think it was a little bit too much celebration, in my opinion. But <laughs> great to have a great to have a team principal who does not hold back emotions, and you know. You can see when he's excited. You can see when he's upset, and that's I mean, stuff. Not hold back emotions was what described uh, Dilbar Gill, right? Yeah. So, so I, I guess it's yeah. a, it's a one, <laughs> one-to-one replacement in, in, in that yeah. way. Uh, but Mahindra has a long way to go. You know, if if I were to evaluate today's performance, um, and you know, basically say where I would see Mahindra slot in over the next four or five races, I would say. There would be somewhere uh, P7, P8 on average in terms of pace and efficiency, you know, talking about race pace, let's say, because they would be behind, uh, obviously behind the Porsche powertrains, and then uh, they would be behind the Nissan of the McLarens, maybe, you know, not the Nissan factory team, but uh, also like along with the Jaguar and Vision Racing and the TCS team. So there will be somewhere in the mix between P7, P8 towards the high end, and then towards P12 and P13 towards the lower end. However, however, um, I think, you know, let's let's not overlook what happened today and it was a great performance regardless of what the circumstances were and what was required of, of the Mahindra team to make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it was a good weekend. Uh, I mean, even Degrassi's pole lap was a complete second slower yeah. than, than Jake Dennis's uh, semis lap, right? So, I mean, that, that just shows you the difference in pace there is. But, I mean, at the end of the day, we got the results, like Mahindra got the results. And 
18 points now so it's it's a good weekend and happy happy to go home with the, the points yeah and if you remember lucas de grassi was the man who beat out pascal verline when pascal was in mahindra uh yeah, yeah. took away the win <laughs> so so that yeah. that's that's payback to mahindra after after they signed him so you know I, that that's how i look at it <laughs> uh but anyway i yeah. think let's talk about the biggest shocks and i think the biggest shock that we did did not see you know coming uh as we headed into the season opener was the ds penske team uh they were languishing in p10 p11 pretty much all throughout the race couldn't make it to the duels in qualifying so all in all a really bad weekend for them and i think jev ran out of energy towards the end of the race and finished outside the points and i think stoffel mandon brought home a solitary point yeah, for the single DS point Penske team so uh really really surprising there you know they seemed like the strongest team uh, during testing they seemed like the strongest team even yesterday uh one of the stronger teams but it just seemed to fall apart for them as soon as qualifying started yeah absolutely i mean like i don't know what happened there but clearly they seem to be the strong the stronger team in testing and practice and everywhere but yeah i guess it's one of those things of a new generation of cars you know like in in testing and in practice other teams might be running different scenarios and dif- different things like who knows who knows what happened there but it was absolutely shocking to say the least yep and one thing we were not i think i think one one of our expectations which was also sort of you know uh, did not come true one of our predictions if you want to say said like that was uh, jaguar having a bad time yes sam bird had an absolutely terrible weekend one to actually forget uh, you know he's in mexico he can get a lot of things to help himself forget what happened today so <laughs> but the rest of the jaguar team you know i think i think they had a decent weekend compared to what we were expecting of them coming into the season opener um you know they finished all in top 10 besides sam bird i think uh, and when i say all i also am co- counting the other cars that are powered by the jaguar powertrain so all in all it was not a bad weekend and they seem to be on pace with nissan uh, and have a decent powertrain you know compared to mahindra who finished on the podium today yes porsche seemed to be in a different league but i think there's much to celebrate for uh, now i'm forgetting his name uh, who's the team principal of uh, jaguar but anyway so i th- i think th- i think i think there's a lot for them to celebrate right um and and to take away from this weekend it's not as bad as it looked during testing it's not as bad as it looked during practice uh and they yep. are on pace with the rest of the teams and if and they are ahead of DS Penske which should be a win in my opinion to them given the yeah. long rivalry they had last season right uh yeah absolutely so, yeah absolutely so i i think that's a, that's a great takeaway yeah i mean i i i still think i mean the only mechanical failure we had was from from Jaguar Sam Bird's differential breaking down essentially but the like it was just the single issue and apart from Mitch Evans is so fair i mean th- it was an up and down weekend for them but yeah not as bad as anyone would like as we were expecting or and they would be happy with what they got like they could have wanted more obviously but yeah yeah definitely people. definitely that brings us to the last couple of points now obviously we had the new time attack system uh not time attack sorry attack mode system implemented uh in in the season opener what were your thoughts about that i don't think it created much of a difference uh you know yeah i i don't really know what to add there just isn't enough data for me to like really comment on it in my opinion it didn't make a huge difference 
what was interesting though was uh, that attack mode is still based on time whereas we have moved on to laps in all other measures whether, th whether that is you know the race duration or the amount of time added at the end of the race based on safety car time and that sort of stuff so i was almost hoping yeah. i guess that attack mode would also be measured in laps you know so one lap two lap and so on and so forth but uh, they still have it in minutes uh, for some reason so that's also quite interesting in my opinion yeah that's an interesting point you bring up and i mean obviously the formula e organization probably would have thought about it but i don't think anyone ap apart from that organization would have essentially thought about it thought about you know having that in laps as well uh, but yeah i guess the new system doesn't really give you much of a continuous boost in a way to make to create a move and make a move but it certainly gives you some sort of you know strategic play because it's not that you take it and just uh, apply it and everyone has the same the the offset essentially might give you some sort of strategic play but had it been let's say you know seven or eight minutes in total and you get four three or four four something like that it would have been much more effective i mean but you splitting splitting four minutes into two is not really effective. Yeah, I mean, you, you captured the thought behind, you know, why the system was introduced. But yeah, given like how short the duration is, it, it's hard to see how it's going to make a huge impact. And I think the only time we're going to see, you know, an impact is where someone with three minutes of uh, attack mode can, you know, gain a couple positions as the race is approaching the end, right? Because that's basically what Pascal Wohlein did early on in the race. Uh, and it worked for him tactically because yep. he could keep up, you know, with the other cars around him who took attack mode at different times but uh, that might not be the case every time so i don't think it's creating a huge difference in terms of what we are seeing across the race i mean see till last like last year also i guess we had eight minutes split into two at certain races last year was a variable depending on tracks and different circumstances right there was no set time the time was defined just prior to the race start and you had to make do with it but i remember clearly at times there were four like there were two four minute attack modes yeah, yeah, yeah. given out right so that creates like four minutes is a good time to create a move with four minutes you can get in two laps or three laps or two and a half laps or three laps i guess and it gives you a good time to create a move and do a move and defend it or just you know follow the driver and make like if if the driver ahead uh, takes attack mode and you create a gap enough and like things like that so yeah splitting 4 minutes 4 minutes into 2 is not really working out and i i was trying to see i was trying to see if 1 3 and 3 1 would create any difference because i guess the first two drivers who took attack mode uh, one of them took 1 3 and the other took 3 1 so i was trying and they were right behind each other right so i was trying to see if that made a difference but yeah it didn't so yeah and, and the next point is exactly why it may not make as much of a difference with these cars uh than it might have with the gen 2 cars and i think a lot of drivers spoke about this and that was it is very difficult to already put down the power that they have in normal mode which is in the mode that they're racing in 
without that extra power during attack mode. So it's already very difficult because of reduced grip with the new tires, the lighter cars, uh, and yeah. having more power to put down that much power onto the tarmac and to get the car going. We saw how twitchy the cars were, how difficult it was for a lot of drivers, especially it was it was really apparent during the duels, you know. Uh, we saw Jake Hughes struggle a little bit a couple of times. We saw a couple people get knocked out because of not being able to put down the power in the last corner. The last corner was horrendous. Yep. Exactly. So the drivers are really struggling to put down the power. So the extra power during attack mode isn't exactly helpful. And I think before the race, Lucas Degrassi pointed out that with these cars, it's going to be a lot harder to overtake. And I think that is somewhat what we saw during today's race also was that it wasn't exactly very easy to attack using these uh to overtake using these cars and even the attack mode was not making a huge difference and i think the fact that you know you are not able the drivers not being able to put the power down as easily or as cleanly because there's too much talk is the reason why that attack mode is almost uh i wouldn't say useless but not as powerful as uh formula e might have intended it to be yeah absolutely i mean the cars were too twitchy as you said with the extra talk if you put in too much power the wheel spin will and you're you're just destroying your tires at that point you're destroying your tires and you're taking away the energy like you're over consuming yeah, uh, at yeah. that point right so yeah i guess that that is what the issue probably is here absolutely yeah i wonder if if teams will almost uh play with the idea of you know just having delivering lesser power to the wheels uh to you know conserve energy almost so that they can operate at a lesser power which provides them a better let's say provides better drivability to the driver you know make yeah. the car more drivable uh, yeah it 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 increases the driver control and comfort yeah even if even of. if you know let's say the peak power delivery is a little bit lesser than what is uh, allowed by the rules let's say right yeah, so yeah, i yeah. wonder if the teams might want to play with that a little bit and that will also allow them to conserve a little bit of energy uh, instead of having the driver manage uh, you know the energy consumption throughout the race so yeah i i don't know if that is a valid uh, idea if, or if that is you know just uh, stupid but i can just throwing <laughs> it out there to see if anyone knows more about it but yeah that's all from my side vedant anything else that you want to talk about before we wrap up this podcast uh i do not have anything else to talk about uh, edo motara had a strange incident where he spun out so which was weird but yeah i guess we have covered everything that i had written down yep. all right yeah so that's all from our side uh before i go one last question though um how are the cars growing on you so far <laughs> that was that is a good one uh, i guess and uh this is something sam smith said in the race formula e podcast after testing that when you see these cars next to each other racing they grow on you and you do you don't mind them as much as you might mind them uh, looking in looking at them individually but during the race and during qualifying i was like i wasn't taking taken aback or i wasn't really it wasn't it wasn't jarring yeah it wasn't the cars. affecting my enjoyment sort of yeah yeah f- fair enough uh, what i'll say is my biggest disappointment with the new cars was the mahindra livery uh, yeah. say what you may about the new cars but that livery is not doing it any favors either absolutely uh, not. having seen the mahindra livery in person last year i absolutely loved it it was a beautiful color 
uh, and a really simple livery and i would have loved to see that continue with with this you know the gen 3 cars also but that was not the case i'm not a big fan of the weird red copper and blue i guess uh, the 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 copper is too bad <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, i'm not sure who made the decisions there but uh, not a fan favorite i can tell you that <laughs> yeah but uh, I mean, that's even from... even even when their race suits first came out twitter was all uh, like what's this dude <laughs> you know <laughs> so yeah uh, yeah so so a little bit sad about it but thank you for joining me once again vedant and as always we'll we'll come back tomorrow to recap the dakar rally uh, so i'll see you again in in a bit uh, and as always stay tuned for all the motorsport content